Morning, Crossroads Church. Um, I want to invite all the little kids up here. Do we got any little kids hanging around here? Can you come on up? Come on, come on. I don't bite. I know we have. Yeah, come on. Come on. I got, I got a special skill that I'm going to teach you. A special talent. All right, come on up here and have a seat. Nice. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I was asked if I don't bite. <laughs> don't get too close. You might find out. No, I don't bite at all. So, a couple questions for you. What is something, what do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to do when you're bigger? Do you have any idea? Yes. Be a mechanic? Be a cartoonist? Awesome. A doctor? You, like, you want to be a lot of things? Oh, that, that's great. Then you, you can fit anywhere. That's awesome. A worship leader. Nice. So here's a question for you. What do you have to do in order to become like a mechanic or a cartoonist or a doctor? What are some of the things you have to do in order to do that? Practice, Practice absolutely. Oh, he took your answer. Don't you hate when that happens? <laughs> right? Especially when it's your brother. That's even worse. Yeah, so... Anything that we want to do, maybe it's be a musician or a craftsman of some kind, you have to, you have to practice, you have to do some things to get better. I, I have an older brother, and he's what I would call a craftsman. He specializes in countertops. He does an amazing job of countertops. I have a special skill, too. And I'm going to show you that special, special skill this morning. I know you're thinking, wow, yeah, right. But here's, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have you all stand up right there. Okay, just stand up in your spot right there. All right. Now, here's what I just want to watch here for a second because I'm going to teach you this special skill. Okay? So, in fact, the first thing I'm going to have you do is put your hands together like this. Okay, and then I just want you to rotate them like this. Yeah. Let's see how fast you can go. You go really fast. Good job. Now, that's not my special skill. I know you're thinking, what? What kind of skill is that? That's not it. Okay, but here, here's where it gets. Here comes the special skill. Now, put your hands like this. Now, what I want you to do is have one hand go one direction and the other go the other way. See, like this. Can you? Come on. <laughs> Lisey's already done. Okay, now here's where the special Keep trying. Here's where the special skill gets... Watch now how fast I can do this. See this? Wow! <laughs> Amazing talent, right? Well, they're not. I can't impress you. Thank you, thank you. I got a few of you. Okay, have, have a seat. Have a seat. You, the reason why here's the funny part. The reason why I learned that talent, I call it talent, is because. 
many years ago, I was told, you know, there's this thing called twiddling your thumbs, and that's when you hold your hand together and do this kind of stuff. Somebody told me sometimes that nobody can have their thumbs go the opposite direction. And I went, nobody? You're right. And so I learned. So I can do this all day long, and I can do it really fast. What an important life skill to learn, right? Now, you and I... <laughs> yeah. All of you and I are followers of Jesus. And so one of the things we've been talking about as followers of Jesus, we want to be with Jesus, be like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. So what are some things we would have to do to do better at being a follower of Jesus, to be like Jesus and do it. You listen to Jesus, absolutely. Yeah, what else? Pray, yep. Oh, that's a tough question, isn't it? Read the Bible, yep, absolutely. Worship. Those are all good, good things, yeah. You could what? Soak. Soak. Okay, just kind of listening prayer and worship and music. Just kind of sit there in silence maybe and maybe some solitude and that kind of stuff. The Apostle Paul, he wrote a letter to a church in Philippi, Philippians, and he says this, Whatever you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. So Paul is telling them, hey, I've, I've taught you a bunch of things and my life is kind of a picture of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So practice the things you've learned from me and practice the things that I've done. Timothy was a young disciple of Paul, and Paul tells Timothy, he, he's like, hey, you know when you were younger and some uh, leaders in the church prayed over you and you received some gifts? Well, here's what I want you to remember to do. Remember to practice those things. Remember to immerse yourself in those things. And then Paul says, let me see your progress. So all of you, all of us, have gifts that have been given to us by God. Some of you are going to be a mechanic. Some of you are going to be teachers or doctors. Or you're going to be leaders. Or you're going to be people who love to serve or encourage. So the challenge is to when you learn what you want to do and some of the gifts and the talents you have, is to practice them. Immerse yourself. And then ask Jesus, what does that look like? And have Jesus help you in that. So all of us have those talents and gifts. So the encouragement is then to practice. All right, thank you for doing a good job. You guys can head back. A challenge, adults, is the same for us. If we're going to be a follower of Jesus, if we're going to, you know, uh, be like Jesus, and as our series is, The Dust of the Rabbi, which comes from this blessing, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi, you have to be intentional about it. It just doesn't happen on its own. We began this series before Easter talking about being a disciple and that there's a difference between the crowd 
and those who are disciples, those who are followers of Jesus. The crowd generally is those, those that are coming to get something from Jesus, whether it's food, like when he fed the 5,000, or miracles, or healing, or whatever. They're, they're there with Jesus, but then when Jesus began saying the hard things and calling them to a, a deeper life and a deeper relationship, they kind of began to fade off and go a different direction. A disciple is one who is with Jesus, like Jesus and does what Jesus does, and even in midst of the hard stuff, they stay with Jesus. So the question we ask before Easter is, am I a part of the crowd or am I a disciple of Jesus? And if I say I'm a disciple of Jesus, then how? How do I do that? How do I grow in that? Well, as our kids so wonderfully said, we practice. We, we practice to become better at something. So uh, what do you mean by practice? Well, here's, here's the verse that I read for the kids early on. I just had a slide change error, so if you could run me to the next slide. Oh, here it comes. Nope. There it is. Whatever you... Jordan, I'm going to need you to help me out the rest of the service here. My tablet's going wrong. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, you heard me read this already, or seen in me, put it into practice. In some translations, they say, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, in, in the Greek, this word practice means to carry out an action, to exercise that action, to be busy with this. And what I love about this word, it doesn't speak about perfection. Being a follower of Jesus is not about being perfect. It's about being intentional and practicing these things. It's kind of like when we teach our kids to ride a bike or we teach them how to do some other skill. We don't expect perfection. We just expect them to practice and try. We know that they are going to get better over time, but we're not talking about perfection. So all we are talking about is let's put into practice these things. Philippians 4, and we're going to go up to verses 4 through 7, which is the backdrop for this verse 9 that we read. It says this, starting with verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, this is what, this, these verses right here is what I would call kind of a life hack. A life hack is something that is a skill or a talent that maybe makes life a little easier. This this is a life hack for us. If, and that is simply rejoice in the Lord always. I know it's a hard thing because some days you just don't feel like rejoicing. But Paul says, hey, rejoice in the Lord always. And then he says, and again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So don't be anxious. Rather than being anxious in every situation with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. This is a practice for us to do so we can become more like Christ. Be with Christ, look like Christ, live like Christ, and do what He does. 
It's, it's this kind of thing. It's going through life, no matter what you're facing, and choosing to rejoice in the Lord. Choosing to, I'm facing this, God, I'm giving you this today with thanksgiving because I know that you have my best in charge, in, in the mind. And things may be a little crazy right now in my world, but I'm trusting you. So I'm not going to get anxious about this stuff because I'm, I'm going to trust in you. That, that takes practice because sometimes we, we get it and sometimes we don't. I mean, I, I have days when I anxious, stuff rises up. I'm, I'm anxious and I don't respond the best. So I have to practice. Try it again. Do it again. The result of this practice, this life hack, is the peace of God which passes all understanding that guards our hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that amazing? What would it be like to have the peace of God in and around our hearts and our minds that, that transcends all understanding? A peace which you can't even explain and it guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. We, we can have that. It takes practice. It, it means today, in this situation, I'm going to choose to rejoice. Today, in this situation, I'm going to give it to God, and I'm going to choose not to be anxious. Paul goes on in verses 8 and 9 of Philippians. He says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Okay, seriously, are there some days you don't want to think about these things? Seriously, am I the only one? Come on. Uh, There's got to be some days when you really don't want to think about the best or a noble thing. I mean, you may be frustrated with your Terry always thinks about these things when it's a relationship to me. She never goes down the bad road. But this is something we practice. As a follower of Jesus, we practice. Even if I get off the rails... And I'm not thinking of what is right and what is pure and what is lovely. I figure out how I can stop myself and then practice and begin to do that. I, I know that, that Terry has done something to frustrate me, but I, I'm, I'm going to choose to think what is right and pure and lovely. And then we have verse 9, which we've already read two times. Today I'm going to read it again. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. John Ortberg has a book, The Life You've Always Wanted, which is a book on spiritual disciplines. And he talks about the difference between training and trying if I were to tell you that today you could earn a million dollars, your ears would be perked up. 
And you'd be ready to find out. I said, okay, so everyone has a chance to earn a million dollars today. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go outside and we're going to run a marathon. And, and, and this isn't the marathon that you do in the next three, four, five, six days. We need to do it in the next five hours. Now, the vast majority of us would just sit there and go, yeah, right, well, I'm not getting a million dollars today. Some of us may try. We may go out there and try and give it our best, and we may die halfway along the line, or, you know, for me, it might be barely a mile and I'd be keeling over. But we would try. Now, change it up. What if I said, in one year from today, you could earn a million dollars, and in one year you're going to run a marathon, and when you complete it, you can get your million dollars. Now, all of a sudden, you go, hmm, i got a year to train. Now, I, I know some of us, are, our bodies are maybe a little past running anything more than 100 feet. But, but the illustration is simple. The illustration here is this, that sometimes we try without training. And when we try without training, we have a greater chance of failing. If I train, then when it comes time to do, I have a better chance of doing it. That's why we see the best musicians and scientists and craftsmen and other people in the world, they spend hundreds if not thousands of hours honing their craft. A study was done a couple of years ago that um, this guy figured out it takes about 10,000 hours of focus on whatever skill you want to become really, really good at that skill. 10,000 hours. If you divide that 40 hours per week, that you focused on this one skill, it would take you 250 weeks, which is about five years. Training is essential to any skill development. So too with our spiritual life. To become a disciple, a follower of Jesus, takes training, it takes practice, it takes discipline. John Orberg says this in the book on discipline. He says, discipline is any activity I can do by direct effort that will help me do what I cannot now do by direct effort. So, do you understand what he's saying here? It, it's any activity that I do by my effort to help me to do a different activity over here sometime down the road that I can't do right now. So, marathon example... Me running so much every day is disciplined to get to the point so I can run a marathon. I can't run a marathon today, but if I do this training every day for the next six months of the year, I could run a marathon. That's discipline. Steph Curry is considered one of the greatest uh, professional basketball shooters. Steph spends hours in between games and even right before games honing his craft, practicing every move, dribbling every shot. He shoots from everywhere. He's an amazing shooter, and he's got amazing talent, but that talent happens because of his training so that when he gets into the game, it just happens. He doesn't even think about it. Now, 
spiritual disciplines then are practices that we put into our life that bring transformation so that out of our heart comes the life that Jesus intended. We can't be with Jesus, be like Jesus, and do what Jesus did under our own willpower, but we can put spiritual disciplines into play that then that comes out naturally. John Orkwell also says about disciplines, he says this, disciplines are valuable simply because they allow us to do what we cannot do by willpower. You see, some of us try to will ourselves to change. Jesus says, his burden, his yoke is light and easy. Come to him. Be with him. Be in his presence. If there's anything we want to change in our life, it's the disciplines that we put into practice that will make that change. If there are thought patterns that are derailing me, what disciplines can I put into my life that will help change my thought patterns? Example, memorize God's word, meditate on God's word. When those thoughts come into your brain, start reciting God's word that you have memorized and meditate on. Rejoice, put worship music, rejoice. Pray. One more quote from John Ortberg. A disciplined person is someone who can do the right thing at the right time in the right way with the right spirit. So if I discipline myself, spiritual disciplines, if I do spiritual disciplines on a regular basis, that means when I'm in the game of life, when I'm, when I'm living life out there, I will naturally do the right things at the right time in the right way and in the right Spirit. Spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices um, is what changes our lives. Disciplines are practices that we can and need to put into our life. It's something that we need to do. There is a cost to being a follower of Jesus. And we hear about some of those costs. One of those costs is reordering our life. Let's reorder around spiritual disciplines. If, if Bible reading is important and prayer and silence is in solitude in God's presence is important, it, then reorder our life to make sure that it's there. there. There is a cost to being a follower of Jesus. Dallas Willard in his book, The Spirit of Disciplines, says there's another cost and there's a cost to non-discipleship or a cost to not doing spiritual disciplines. And he says this, non-discipleship costs abiding peace, a life penetrated through by love, faith that sees everything in the light of God's overriding governance for good, hopefulness that stands firm in the most discouraging of circumstances, power to do what is right and withstand, and withstand the forces of evil, in short, it costs exactly the abundance of life Jesus said he came to bring. That's the cost for Dallas Willard for non-discipleship, for not doing spiritual disciplines. We, we love it when Jesus says, I came to give life and to give it abundantly, and we're waiting. 
but we're waiting without developing our relationship with Jesus Christ. In closing today, over the course of the next few Sundays in May, we're going to talk about specific spiritual disciplines, spiritual practices, and our goal is to give you some tools to help you put those into practice. We're going to encourage you to take those disciplines home and to set aside time to do those disciplines. We're going to encourage you to figure out how to encourage your family or your household in those disciplines. This discipleship or spiritual discipline thing is an important part of our desire to be a follower of Jesus, to be with Jesus, be like Jesus, and do what Jesus does. For me, the spiritual disciplines have transformed my life. I'm far from perfect. I, I do respond sometimes in ways that aren't glorifying and honor to God. But I'm way better than I was 20 years ago. You can just ask Terry. There came a point in my life many, many years ago that for me, getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning to spend time in God's Word and in silence and in prayer was my life. It gave me life so I could face whatever I faced in the day. And I know there's people in this room that do that kind of stuff. And you are walking out in the peace of God. And so the reason why we're doing this is because I want to invite us into this abundant life that Jesus has promised. And I want to invite it, us into it by giving us practices, disciplines that we can do to grow in that relationship. Let's pray. Thanks, Jesus, for today. Oh, thanks again that we could celebrate you. I pray, Father, over the course of the next month, as we talk about spiritual disciplines, that you begin the transformational work in each of our lives. We desire to be followers of you. We desire to be with you, to be like you, and to do what you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we're going to close with the benediction, so I'm going to have you stand as we receive the benediction. I'm going to ask you to hold out your hands in a posture of receiving. Now I pray that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray that he would enlighten the eyes of your heart so that you may know the hope that he's called you to. That you may know the glorious inheritance that you have with all the saints. And that you may know his incredibly great power for us who believe. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And all God's people said, Amen. Go in peace.